Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 13 of the Flipping Tables podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I'm the other host, David Lyons. And boy, do we have some things to complain about today. <laughs> we do. Um, but we do have a couple uh, small pieces of follow-up. So uh, the first one, uh, one of our listeners is a couple weeks late, but that's okay. Um, but someone found... It's in another language, but they found the opposite of schadenfreude. So I know that word from uh, a Broadway show, um, and I think that's how probably most English-speaking people know it. But it, it basically means to take you know joy in the misery of others. So he found, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this, I'm sure, but I think it's, it's Fergun? It's a Hebrew word? Yeah, I don't know. So it's a Hebrew word. I'll link to it in the show notes. Somebody could tell me how bad I screwed it up. Um, but it's a Hebrew word that means to take joy in the joy of others. So no strings attached. You don't benefit in any way from their joy. You're just happy for them. And it, I was surprisingly delighted. It's never been observed in nature. <laughs> it's never been observed, at least in America. Um, but I, I, was, I, I, was, I was delighted to know that at some point in history we needed a word for that. And... I was very sad that we don't anymore. <laughs> so th- awesome. Thank you, listener. I also have some slight follow-up, just more of a self-promotion shout-out, but uh, I was asked to contribute a theme song to another podcast, and uh, they gracefully accepted the, the tune I came up with. So if you'd like to hear a different take on a sort of chip y podcast intro song, check out We Like Dota. It's uh, Brian Yinger and Ben Day and uh, some others that uh, are on that podcast. I like to think that it's just a different level in the same chiptune game that is the <laughs> podcast landscape. Yep, podcast the game. That's right. Um, so the first thing on here, I'm like, I'm not really divided on. Like, I'm just angry about <laughs> this guy's <laughs> video, and I feel bad. So uh, I, I, I don't even know the guy's name. I'm just angry at him. Um, but someone made a video that... It, ironically went quite viral and the whole point of the video is uh that we spend too much time on our devices and we should not be engaged in technology and social media and all this crap all the time and um he then published that video to youtube which it then went viral all over facebook and twitter and google plus and he does this like faux awareness where toward the end of the video He's like, yeah, we should all because it's a it's a poem, and then there's a video of the things he's talking about. Um, and toward the end, he's like, yeah, and we shouldn't be spending all of our time on technology except for watching this video. Keep watching this video, and then rate me on YouTube. And it's like, <laughs> it's like uh, you can't. I mean, I get it, but that's like shooting someone because they have a gun. Yeah. It seems like one of these videos comes out about every three to six months and then gets wildly upvoted and liked and retweeted by people addicted to social media saying. Yeah. And we just, um, we saw a a keynote at an event we were at recently uh, and it was present shock was the, the theme. And I actually, uh, that same guy has gone around and done that talk other places. uh, Douglas Rushkoff, and I, I will admit, I'm a technology person. I am obviously kind of biased toward the things that I enjoy doing. But I feel like every time one of these videos comes out, people are like, 
I need to get a message about how I feel out to a large number of people about how people shouldn't use technology <laughs> to connect with large numbers of people because it's actually disconnecting us. And at nowhere during that internal discussion does anyone ever realize the ridiculousness of that premise. <laughs> so and I, I just so that this to me like this was my recent thing that could not have happened without social media. So I was sitting at my kitchen table eating dinner and I have a family that is a, a very talented musician and I wanted to reach out to this talented musician and ask them if they were interested in doing a cover of our podcast theme song. So this person lives far away and you do not live in my house so you are also outside of arm's reach. So I picked up my phone at my kitchen table and I asked you to get me a copy of the uh, the score for the music and then... You said, okay, I'll get that. And then I reached out to this family member and I said, hey, are you interested in doing this? I can get you sheet music. And they said they were interested in doing it. You emailed me the sheet music and then I forwarded it on to this family member all from my phone at my kitchen table. And it didn't take three weeks and there were no horses involved. Yes. And I would have otherwise been... I mean, I could have done it like through the mail or when I saw you in person and then and then sent it on to, to my family member, but it's... I did it in like 30 seconds from can't a phone. Can't you see? We, it would have been so much more meaningful if we had to interact in the same room to do this. Yes. If only <laughs> I had flown that person out here so I could hand them sheet music in person. I just, I don't, uh, I have never felt isolated, especially because the big one that I see a lot is, oh, it used to be, because I, I take the train. I'm a big fan mm -hmm. of mass transit. Oh, it used to be when you're on the train or on the bus, people just struck up a conversation with you. Now, I can't say from experience that that's bullshit and that that never happened, but I don't feel like that ever happened. I, I don't feel like there was a time when... Well, the people that are that kind of gregarious are still that kind of gregarious. That's what I mean. I don't think there was a time when there were no introverted people, right? Like, Like... Smartphones did not create introverts. It's not the fault of the Game Boy that there are introverts. And most of the time, if I'm on a tr the train and I'm on my phone, I'm not just scrolling through Reddit. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I'm talking to people <laughs> from my device. So I may not be reaching out to the crazy homeless guy who's like two or three booths over, but... I am engaging with people, like real people, some I know, some that are professional, some that are strangers. So the question I'd want to ask the people who want to say, like, hit a big pause button on, like, the evolution of social technology is, like, what moment in technological history are you going to freeze this at? Like, yeah, like, landline telephones are fine, but... You know, if you're stranded in your car in the middle of nowhere, too bad, because this yeah. is a disconnecting device, and I don't... Yeah, cell phones are bad. <laughs> and I, I know this is absolutely hyperbole, but people take for granted that written language and spoken language are technologies. <laughs> and I, I, again, I understand that's like crazy hyperbole, but whenever someone says like, oh, these technologies divide us, it's like... No, they literally make communication possible. This is going to go really well into our next topic because <laughs> it seems like when a technology gets old enough, suddenly it's natural. It's yeah. just part of 
part of human experience now. It's yeah. It's no longer some new thing that's synthetic and fake and yeah, and that's artificial. So we have to, you know, since we're piloting lots of new technologies uh, for work, and we just like to have this crap around because the kind of people we are, we deal with. It, I think I see natural the most natural user interfaces. Yeah, and I don't really remember that coming up a lot before the iPad, do you? Or the iPhone, I guess. It's like, oh, it's, so it's me, natural because you poke it, it. It's the minority report <laughs> interface. Like, Damn you, Tom Cruise. And, like, there's lots of great insights or predictions or whatever you want to call them, speculations in minority report about future technology, especially the targeted ad stuff. Seems really... <laughs> that was pretty spot on. Really sweet. Um, really awful and sweet. Um, but the, the Tom Cruise glove, touch screen, wave your hands interface... Just imagining the Nintendo Power Glove. Yeah. It, it joins the ranks of Lawnmower Man and Tron of, like, cool movie things... Well, maybe Lawnmower Man doesn't belong in that category. <laughs> oh, yeah. That one wasn't so good. <laughs> but cool movie things that are not really what reality is going to bear out as what people want to use. Well, I I mean, it, you always call it gorilla arms. Yeah. <laughs> which cracks me up. But if you think about it, you would have to be in as good a shape as Tom Cruise is in to use that interface. And let's also remember that that was his big crazy work thing when he was home everything was like small and and taps and yeah more like a touch screen interface so for i never had really thought about it until we were complaining about this recently but when he has all of the things up in front of him like all the the photographs and the the briefs and 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 police reports what he's doing is the needlessly digitized version of shuffling papers around on a desk like, at no point do I remember him saying, like, the Star Trek style, like, give me everything on so-and-so. Or, you know, yeah. run a cross-analysis on these locations and the last known whereabouts of, like, this suspect. He doesn't do anything that requires digital technology. He's shuffling pictures yeah. back and forth, which is spectacular looking, but, like you said, in practicality would be garbage. Just total garbage. But uh, so in a recent event we attended, it, it was brought up as sort of like the gold standard of what we mean when we talk, what we talk about yeah. when we talk about natural <laughs> user interfaces. In <laughs> Show title. Inception. <laughs> but uh, that actually killed the credibility for me of some of the things they were talking about because... Well, I get it that computers need to become easier to use so that they're more widely accessible, and touchscreens and voice controls are all promising additions to the suite of options for interacting with technology, but it's the labeling of natural that gets me, because... Yeah, because what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and, and we actually, so to some of the people in the, uh, excuse me, in the event we were at, we posited the question, what exactly do you mean by natural? Like, what are the limits of that definition? And granted, there were a lot of people asking questions, but that one kind of got swept that's away. When he, that's when he brought up Minority Report. He's like, oh, just like Minority Report. And I was like, oh, my uh, God. Oh. 
oh, so this is the weapon you're going to kill your credibility with. <laughs> That's cool. But it, it's, um, why that? Like, I, I wish, whenever something like that happens, I always wish I could pull that person aside and be like, I want to have a discussion about what you just said. Because I don't feel like your answer really answered my question at all. Yeah, people didn't really... I mean, I suppose it was a slightly on the theoretical side, which they steered away from heavily, but... Very. Um, yeah. The answers were kind of like, you know, like the iPad. You know, like Siri. And I'm like, that's not a definition. That's just you pointing at devices and saying they are inherently natural. Right. And I see, for me, I would say speech is getting too inherently natural. And the only reason I say that is because humans actually have evolved a very different arrangement of the parts of our throat that allow us to make all the different sounds that make speech possible. That is why most animals can't talk um, because they're, uh, I forget the exact, our vocal cords are longer and our voice box is in a slightly, I think, higher or lower position but it, it's significant like it is actually part of our biology mm-hmm. so but to say like the tap interface of an iphone is natural because it's touching a thing it's like well so i touch a mouse and then i move the mouse and i click it is that not natural well, i think these were the people in the 80s saying a mouse is a natural user interface <laughs> probably yeah so I, I mean that really goes with what you said is once something is familiar enough, it's big, ironic, air quotes, natural. Yeah. And it's... Well, I like the one we brought up in conversation the other day, which was uh, pinch to zoom. Yeah. <laughs> when have you ever gone to a photo IRL and pinched it and seen it change size? Yeah. And, and oh, that specific one, I hear this all the time at technology conferences and, and from people in technology who they say... Oh, my 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 child or my friend's child was looking at a magazine and and they kept pulling at the corners because they were trying to make the picture bigger and that just shows how intuitive that is. And it's like, no, that's called a learned behavior. Yeah. Like that's that's not revolutionary. They just learned that that's how they make pictures bigger and because they have an iPad in their hands all the damn time, they've learned that behavior. Just like they learned that making loud noises makes mommy come help. Yeah, just like they learned that pressing the B button makes Mario jump. But do you think when they need to jump over it's something... the A button. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm just going to stop you right there. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I, glad- know, I don't know what to believe anymore about everything you've said. <laughs> I'm glad in 13 episodes, this is the first thing where you were like, whoa, stop, just... Stop the presses. Um, okay, so, but <laughs> to my point, I don't think the child is imagining in their head pressing a, a red button on a controller when they need to jump over something because the button is not natural. It's just a learned behavior. Yeah. I mean, I guess pressing, like, we evolved to use tools, so interacting with a tool? Is- well, when you, you bring up controllers, and do you want to talk about the Xbox One controller? The actual controller or the crazy dancing? Uh, the actual controller. Well, you have this note in here. Oh, Jesus. I forgot all about that. This is how natural it is. Yes. Um, yeah, so the, the R&D that went into the Xbox One controller, and this was something Microsoft was very proud of, was that they spent 
$100 million to develop a natural feeling controller. And I, what? Like, so, I mean, I, I, I have, for my height, I have fairly large hands. So I'm aware when a game controller is too small. Like a 3DS to me is way too small. It actually hurts my hands to cramp in on it because it's designed for a child's sized hands. So, and you have, you're tall. You have like giant, you know, baseball mid-sized hands. So what would feel natural and comfortable to me and you who are both similarly aged white males (laughs) is very different from what would feel natural to a 10-year-old Chinese girl who has very small hands. That's why the, the, the small 3DS cramps my hands after it, a while. It hurts so much. That <laughs> that ridiculous little add-on thing you have to make like give you something to rest in your palms, like that is worth every penny <laughs> yeah. of the plastic. That, that $8 went of plastic. Yeah, amazing. And then like the I've used a was it the XL, the big one, the 3DS XL, and it's like, oh, they built this literally because they realized that <laughs> Not only children use their device. Yeah. Like, the bigger screen is cool, but, I mean, you hold a 3DS two feet away from your and head. And it's, like, 240 pixels wide, so... Yeah. Wow. Well, that, too. But, I mean, it's it's just... It's it's natural. But, I mean, even that... Re- <laughs> <That's> Hello. The, <laughs> the loudest... We're on the 12th floor. Motorcycles sound like a so this, through the room. This is connecting me to other things, like, I think about filmmaking or recording music... And there's probably those natural? all sorts of tricks and fakeness that goes into production to make something seem natural. Well, like it's... lighting and compositing and sound design. That it's all tricks, it's all synthetic, it's all fake. Well, you, so that it so feels you, more natural. You wrote uh, some of the music for Detective, Detective, Detective. Yeah. And there was one particular song, I remember... Um, the guitar, everybody was like, oh, that guitar part sounds so cool. And it's completely synthesized. Yeah. But then all of the other instruments, which are very boring and mundane, like the drums and stuff, those are you actually playing the instruments. <laughs> so the part that everyone identified with and the part that touched them was the synthetic so crap. it's smoke and mirrors. It's all magic. <laughs> it is. It's totally... Science, I mean. It's all science. Yeah. <laughs> If you're from the Thor universe, they are one and the same. Right, right. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, do you feel like... You mentioned the pendulum swing. Do you feel like this is something that's just, like, style? Like, it, it just goes... Like, we are all techno-filed out, and then people get all scared of it, and then they're like, no, we need to be prepared for yeah. zombies. And I think there is farming. a pendulum swing, because can, you can see... In different part of the 20th century, there was such an optimism in science, and like they're going to solve everything with pills, and they're going to, you know, the microwave just add water, and everyone will have a holodeck and a replicator, and uh. and now <laughs> everyone's a little more cynical about everything. It's like, yeah, everything we make in a lab is terrible, and processed foods are all horrible, and um, yeah, and that's. So chemical, which may not be false, but <laughs> yeah, like natural and chemical free, which always um, really cracks me up with all natural because, and I think this is becoming more widely known now. But if you see natural on food, that is not a, a regulated word. By which yeah. I mean the FDA has no rules about using the word natural. So you could give someone a box of lithium and mercury. 
and just be like, this is all natural. Like, eat up. It's going to kill you. Yeah. But it's all natural. And so we had talked uh, about the sleeping pill and, and the food pill. So I feel if I could be provided a pill or an injection or, I don't know, an electroshock to the brain or something that, assuming it had acceptable side effects... Um, if I never had to eat or sleep again, I would absolutely make that trade. Like, especially the sleep one. Yeah. Like, Just get 33% more life. Yeah. I mean, if let's say I live an average life of, of 80 years. So to just be handed... Pretty good average life there. For a guy. <laughs> isn't that... Isn't like 70, 72, the average. Oh, God. Is it that short? Yeah. Oh, Okay. You just your midlife crisis just can't come a lot sooner. <laughs> it's now. come way sooner. Um, so let's say I, I have an average life for a pilgrim of thirty-five years. So <laughs> I know that that's not true, um, but that would mean an additional ten and a half years onto my life. Like that's huge. And it, this is what kills me. Every time I say this to someone, they always say, "But I love sleeping." <laughs> <laughs> pisses me off so much because I cannot convince them you love the effects of sleeping. Yeah. You do not love being unconscious and unaware of reality (laughs) for eight hours at a time because you are unable to perceive it. That's why when you wake up from a good sleep, you like and have to get up, that's when like you most want to continue sleeping. Yes. Because like, oh, in retrospect, (laughs) That made me feel good. I want to do more of the thing that made me feel good. (laughs) You didn't actually enjoy the thing because you did not experience it. So I'm wondering, what what is it going to take to get the optimism pendulum to swing? It'll just take like a really, like, indisputable big win for something, quote, synthetic, like some nanomachines that eat cancer, and it's like, okay... We can no longer deny that science has done something awesome here. Yeah. And I'm going to put away the overly skeptical organic living stuff for a while. And I think it's more likely to be, unfortunately, the other way. I think it will take a huge loss or screw-up on the part of the all-natural crowd. And... I do not. I mean, just an epidemic of yes uh, well, diseases. Yeah, because like the anti smallpox. the anti vaccine <laughs> crowd. Um, now I am not automatically pro vaccine. I don't think we should just get injected with everything that they come up with. But I'm really glad I don't have polio. <laughs> yep. I am. I'm super glad that we have the technology to prevent anyone from ever having polio. Did you see that Jenny McCarthy was trying to pretend she was never against vaccines? Yeah, even though there's, like, video and recording and stuff of her everywhere. She seems unaware of the whole idea of things being recorded. Yeah, which, considering how she made her living, seems a little confusing, but (laughs) people... Denial is a powerful emotion. Yeah, and that's... I just... Like, I... Once they created the polio vaccine and they were sure that it worked and then we also had the following decades of (laughs) real life trials to prove that it worked that should have been the end of the discussion like okay everyone from now on gets the polio vaccine it should be mandated by law like there's no longer any reasonable scientific debate 
Done. Yeah. Uh, we have to link to the John Oliver. Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. He, he had so, a very. Yeah. Vi- I don't. I almost don't want to spoil it. But basically, he he characterizes the climate change quote debate, which isn't really much of a debate among scientists. It's really not about whether or not it's a thing that happened and mankind is contributing to it. That much isn't really under dispute. But he illustrates how. It's the, it's this classic thing in mainstream media of here's a totally crazy position. Let's pretend it's completely equal in stature to the reasonable position and grab one representative from each side and let them argue. Yeah, which I I honestly this is one of those things that brought a uh, an assumption I was making to light for me because I hate the news. I avoid it at all costs unless it's the daily show or the Colbert Report. <laughs> but I never really thought about how poorly the one-on-one debate represents the actual information behind those two points of view. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of the recent Bill Nye versus Ken Ham debate. Uh, he They were debating um, evolution versus uh, um, creationism. creationism. Thank you. And it's like, well, okay, so Bill Nye's side of the stage should have had the entire scientific community, and then Ken Ham's side of the stage should have had the entire creationist community. And I think what a lot of people would be surprised to find out is that most religious people, regardless of your particular religion, do not believe in the creation myth of their religion. The average Christian is probably not like, yeah, the world was created in six days. Literally. Yeah, literally in six days. And the average um, Hindu probably does not actually think that the world sprang forth from an egg and is renewed every few millennia. I'm sorry, I'm not intimately familiar with it, but I, I remember a little bit from college. But like, I'm sure that the average Hindu does not literally think that that is what happened. Which came first, the universe or the egg? <laughs> or the egg. I guess the egg. <laughs> Um, but it's so. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> you just need to watch Louis C.K. He hosted SNL and he did some stand up before at the beginning and he was like, stop with this like chicken and egg stuff. It was an egg. <laughs> <laughs> he just like settles it once and for all. But then later, like in the middle of a different topic, he's like, well, and then you're like, where'd the egg come from? He's like, it was a chicken. Shut up. <laughs> so he doesn't solve it all. But I could, I could believe him making and being convincing of an argument like that. But it, I, f- I think most people on the non-scientific side of a debate would be surprised to find out how few supporters they actually have. It's just that their supporters are very vocal. Yeah, which I want to be careful here because we're uh, we're not making the point that there because more people are on one side that fact alone is what makes that side right. No, we are making the point that the side that has all of the evidence and has been scrutinized and has proof is probably right. Yeah, that's, not definitely that's the implication. Right, but probably right. Not po- not argument ad popular- popularity. Or I don't know what the actual... Pop- popular, populous? <laughs> now, populous would be Greek. It's not that all the cool people believe this side. <laughs> it's... Hey man, you tried some evolution? All the cool Which kids are I doing feel it. like it would be a dangerous conclusion some people might make from John Oliver's comedy segment about the debate. Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> point. Um, y- yeah, you know, shit, I didn't even think of that. But that's 
I mean, he's a comedian, he's being comedic, but that's the fallacy of his argument. Yeah. But what he... I will say that he does press that it's not just more people on the side of climate change, it's scientists. Yeah. So the argument that he's really making is the people who did the research and have the evidence and have no reason, no benefit to being right about this, like, it would actually be way better if they were wrong. Like, it would be awesome if they were wrong. But they are, in fact, probably right. And that's actually, so the last thing I want to say about climate change, and then we can rip on Apple, is um, every time I've gotten into an argument with, with someone who's, like, super anti-human-directed climate change, my argument is always... If you're right, I look like an idiot. If I'm right and we do your thing, everybody dies. So let's just do my thing and then you can keep calling me an idiot. Like, how about that? Like, I'll just and let like you. The, the end result, if, if there is no man-made climate change, is oops, we lived better and had a more yeah. sustainable world. Yeah, exactly. There's no benefit to not believing in human-directed climate change and taking appropriate steps. Like... At all. Yeah. I, I've never heard one. The biggest thing I think of is some companies are going to get in there and profit off it, but that's always the case in all in, of history. In the, yeah, in the grand <laughs> scheme of history, I don't. that's not a big enough benefit yeah. versus possibly saved humanity and made life better for everyone on Earth. Like, company made another million dollars is not really the other side of that coin. So, I don't know. That that yep. got derailed a little bit, and I don't want to go into, like, a crazy... Just listen to Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson, and they will not steer you wrong. So, tell, tell me about... You're, you're the Apple guy. So, I'm a little... I don't know. <laughs> Speechless? No. So, Apple bought Beats, or has this actually bought, been officially I, completely confirmed yet? Well... It's like everything but confirmed, but it's it was, confirmed. It was unofficially confirmed because Dr. Dre actually tweeted first billionaire in hip-hop, which... <laughs> God. Yeah, and then, but then he deleted the tweet. So, that, that's pretty damning. Okay. Like, that... Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of good speculation and analysis out there, like Apple is buying a brand, or, you know, here's a company that makes a lot of money with margins... <laughs> On the, the you know they they can convince people to pay a lot for something that is right. not necessarily that special yeah. technologically. The and Apple so way. they're impressed and like yeah that's our business is the high end of a market, the high end of the profit margin. Um, the other side of that is that Beats has a streaming music service and Apple only has like a radio Pandora style feature and they need like a full on Spotify under their belt. Which I don't know why they, they would have just to. buy Spotify since well, Spotify, the Beach streaming music service is terrible. Well, my, my yeah, but <laughs> it's probably a lot cheaper on that side. But you know what is it? Four billion they just bought or something? Three point like, two. Yeah, yeah, way um, too much. And now there's all this new raft of rumors that Apple's going to refresh their headphone line and have new Hi-Fi headphones and in quotes, in quotes, and. Uh, <laughs> Also, that there's been an ongoing rumor that maybe in response to the Pono player, which has been wildly successful. Okay, I don't think it has. No. Um, nope. That uh, they're going to have hi-fi audio from the iTunes store. So 
whether that means 24-bit or 96 kilohertz. Like, so for background, if anyone's not an audio file or just knows about audio, which may not be the same thing. Um, <laughs> CDs are typically, for some reason, we're fixated on CD quality, like it's some arbitrary level of quality. Um, CDs are 16-bit, which is how accurate an individual sample is. So have you ever seen like a, a waveform? Um, in analog, that would be like a smooth curve. And when you make so something... Like a nice side wave. Yeah. And when you make a digital version, you take samples every so often. That's what the frequency is. But the bit tells you how accurate each sample is. So if you've ever seen like... In calculus, you take the area under a curve. This is getting very, just, very nerdy. Yeah, I'm just going all in. Off. Just going all in. <laughs> but you see these like rectangles that are measuring the area, and they're like approximations. And it's sort of like you're getting more. Your fractions are more specific. You're so, you're so more high, exact. Higher bit rate, more accurate approximations. Yeah. Okay. And then higher frequency is more samples per second. Oh, okay. So, so more approximations. Bit rate is more accurate samples. Higher frequency is more samples per second. Ah. And so they both matter. That, that's higher precision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this is all a waste of time because <laughs> at once you get to CD quality, most people can't tell the difference if you go beyond that. Yes. And that, that's really all of that awesome science and math to say... Your hearing is not as good as you think it is. Yeah. <laughs> By a long shot. And so the, the big money opportunity for the music industry is they see a way to claim their version of HD. And be yeah. like, here's HD audio. Now buy all those albums again, everyone. Buy the Beatles again. Buy this. And... Uh, um, I'll find, try to find the article. I think it was actually by the Instapaper dude, Marco Arment, but he he collected some interesting thoughts and links about the, the real problem with audio is not our files are too low-fi. Stop using those MP3s, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's really the everything that happens before the MP3 file gets made. Yes. It's the compression. It's the crappy playing. It's yeah. the auto-tuning and the loudness. And so... The loudness wars. So, dear listener that <laughs> thinks you need to buy great headphones... Um, Better headphones aren't necessarily a bad thing to get, but there's only so much that can do for you. Well, and, and that's the end of the pipe, exactly. other than your ears. Yeah. <laughs> that is the very last link in the chain. And so just understand that there's all these forces at work in the audio business that are ruining your sound before it gets to your headphones. It's... Uh, so I even wonder, like, if Beats got even more wildly popular and everyone is using headphones that artificially inflate the bass levels, you have to imagine people who are creating music are going to mix differently. Yes. And therefore the music is going to sound different on non-weirdly shaped frequency curved headphones. Well, <laughs> and a lot of people I've heard uh, complain about this this potential Apple buying Beats is that artificially bass-boosted music sounds really good if it's music that's supposed to have loud bass, like <laughs> hip-hop and rap and R&B. But, like, classical or country or just generic pop would sound really weird with this super heavy 
I'm trying to imagine yeah. like Vivaldi's four seasons with like twenty times as many stand up bases and it's just it's not meant for that. So I when people talk about the quality of music, to me the only answer to that is how close does it sound to what the original artist intended it to sound like? Yeah. And I mean, this this actually, to me, makes me think a lot about our discussion with our own theme song, is the original version you mixed had, like, effects and things on it that made it sound very good, and that wasn't what I was... beefy yeah, bass and drums. <laughs> that wasn't what I was imagining when we had first discussed it, and I didn't think about it until after I heard your version, I was like, this sounds good, and that's bad. Right? Like, I wanted this crappy, low-fidelity... Well, I actually like the new version better now. Yes. But, but I mean, and that, that stuff's all subjective, but when you say, oh, these headphones will make the music sound good, it's like, so these headphones are psychic and they know what the artist wanted it to sound like? Because that's the only way you yeah. can really unequivocally achieve good sound, is that it sounds the way the artist intended and the I guess the opposite end is it sounds good in a way that is enjoyable to the listener, but that's very There's subjective. There's all sorts of other motivations in the mix besides the creator and the listener, and that's what ruins <laughs> sound. And that's um, well, it's sort of, it involves the the listener, but yes. it's not exactly for their benefit in a way. And that's the whole age of radio has led to crushingly loud mixes. Yes. Because if your song came on and it wasn't as loud as the other songs, it just, like, you f- I don't know, I can remember just trying to, like, when all the DIY CD burning hardware <laughs> came out in the 90s and, like... The 2X was, burner. It was finally possible to record a crappy digital recording and then burn a CD of it, and that was just like, oh, right... No and, more tapes. Uh, the almost the immediate thing that every DIYer discovered, if they unless they had an audio production background, is why is my CD quieter than everything else? Oh, all right. And like you know, you put local band <laughs> CD in, and it just feels kind of wimpy. Just feels kind of like it's just thud, and it's just sort of not punchy. And that's exactly why the loudness war happens because yeah. you feel that way, and then you're like, well, I better crush it louder. Yeah, better, I better, cr- crush better it louder. Better punch it up. Well, I've also heard this attributed to um, department stores and restaurants. Yep. Because in a restaurant, they act like, in all their commercials, you ever see a commercial for like Chili's or TGI Friday's kind of place? They're like, come on in and hang out with your friends. And then you go in and you're like, I can't hear anything anyone is saying. And the reason is they really don't want you to hang out. Because once you're full, you're no longer a customer. You are yep. a wasted booth. So the crushingly loud pop music, which is usually high tempo, it gets you eating, eating faster, not talking, then getting the hell out. <laughs> and I know it sounds kind of like conspiracy theory, but I mean, this is fact. Like, we know yeah. that they do this. These are not trade secrets. So the other the other great example I think of with compression wars is uh, have you ever watched a movie being broadcast over TV? And if you have, <laughs> which isn't a very wild question, yeah. um, have you noticed how it sounds different than if you play it through a DVD or Blu-ray? Yeah, totally. Worse. Yeah. That's because movies are one of the few places that still have a lot of dynamic range. Yes. Where a gunshot is a lot louder than people whispering. Mm-hmm. And 
Whereas on television, people don't like that because people are doing dishes in the background. There's kids running around, and you don't want to have to turn the TV up for whispering and then turn it way down when people are shooting each other. Yes, and which so, I catch myself doing when I'm watching a DVD. Cause I'm and like, so I want it quiet, then I can't hear what that guy was saying. I, I can see the argument that compression is can lead to a nicer experience in a environment as noisy as a home. Within reason. But the problem is, <laughs> movies were not originally mixed that way. And so when you compress them, now when people aren't talking, you hear the hiss of the air rise. <laughs> Every breath is super loud and like harsh, like a soap opera. <laughs> soap operas are like the example of every like cheesy effect because they're they, they are compressed in every facet yeah. visually. Visually, audially, <laughs> storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess the storytelling is pretty drawn out. So, <laughs> but I so do you remember? I I just realized it's called the Calm Act. Um, and I'll I'll link to this USA the totally this US News article. Well intentioned but misguided attempt to control the volume of advertising. Exactly that. Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, so this was just uh, in the last couple of years. This has been going on, but people, whether subconsciously or consciously, realized wow, when I'm watching a television show at what I feel is an appropriate volume and then a commercial for Chili's or Tampax or Coca-Cola comes onto my television, it is screaming at me. Yep. Like, And then I have to find the remote and turn the volume down until the commercials are over and then I have to turn the volume back up to the television show volume. The already compressed television show. Yes. <laughs> so they actually... Um, the FCC has gotten so many complaints about this that they passed a law. <laughs> they had to write legislation for this. So actual Congress got involved? Yes. That um, commercials could not be of a louder volume than the shows that they were wrapped around, or part of, or however you say it. And, this uh, is still misguided. <laughs> and they immediately found ways around it. So... Well, you still have to imagine, as much as I just described television as compressed, the gunshot is still louder than the calm talking voice. Yes. And so all this meant is commercials can be no louder than gunfire. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly... Or explosions. Exactly how they got around it. And so you can imagine most commercials are wall-to-wall -wall talking and music. Like, that's the norm. Every once in a while a commercial comes out, it's all visionary and is quiet. And it kind of arrests you with its, or it's simplicity. Or it's, it's an iPhone commercial that's all xylophone and ukulele. <laughs> yeah, but generally speaking, it's just noise for 15 <laughs> or 30 seconds. And so that's just gunshots. <laughs> and so it doesn't matter that they said you can't be louder because it's still really loud. <laughs> I just like the idea of a commercial that's just 30 seconds of gunfire. <laughs> <laughs> no visuals, no talking, no explanation. Just a 30-second clip from the Rambo reboot. <laughs> so, yeah, unless, I feel, unless they legislate that, like, some kind of median volume that they have to adhere to, as measured from an export of the show, like... Yeah, which they would never do. I mean, it's yeah. wildly impractical. Because you make an ad, you don't want to have to mix it 50 times for every show you might pair it with. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like they make televisions that actually do this. 
So, like, you set a volume, and then if something comes on that is louder than that or, like, more crushed down than that, then it tries to scale on the fly. Right, which drives me nuts because I can always tell. It's sort of like pan and scan if you watched a full-screen version of a movie. Yeah. It's like, oh, I think you should be looking at this part of the picture because we can't include all of it. But I want to look over there. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I guess you can't win with me, but <laughs> <laughs> you're just never happy. Yeah, I, but I mean, I'm I'm with so you. So these on this. are so audiophiles. Maybe if you're a real audiophile, whatever. No real Scotsman, but um, <laughs> if you care about the quality of audio, these are the things that are problems. Not well, it's not flack, lossless, right? Because you you can't tell. You think you can, but you can't. There unless, are studies that prove you can't. Unless you're the hearing version of a super taster, you you can't. <laughs> So yeah. well, and I mean, there's so many. So you need a high quality recording that was mixed the right way, then provided in a lossless format all through the chain until you got it, and then you need to listen to it on a player capable of putting out audio of that quality through headphones capable of putting through out neutral enough speakers or headphones. Yeah. Into ear holes that are capable of detecting that level of minutia in sound. Yeah. So, but most of what you described isn't the problem. It's it's the mixing. It's the mixing. But I'm just saying, like that. That's the step where things are most likely to fail. Maybe slightly more likely than your hearing isn't that good, but it still has to make it all the way through that chain, totally unbroken successes. Yeah. And that probably did not happen. And interestingly, it's being discovered that people kind of like crappy sound. Like We do. <laughs> the, the distortion of a, a mix brought to its brink is there, there's a satisfying lo-fi crunch to it that people get addicted to. And when they hear, like if you play a record that is dynamic, you find a record before the 80s, that has dynamic range. Maybe it was mixed weird for stereos, like the drums are on the right and the guitars are on the left. And you have to sit right in the middle so your hair gets blown back. Yeah. (laughs) But there's, like, this sense, like, this doesn't sound as good. And it's like, actually, well, I know there's some subjectivity to it, but it's kind of better because you can hear everything. And I feel like this is really the problem, is the audiophiles, like... People who are audiophiles tend to agree on a certain list of criteria that makes for quality audio. And people who make money off of audio have a different list because their list is defined by the people who spend the money. Yep. So if the audiophile group is willing to spend X amount of dollars, and there's a hundred of you, and the general populace is willing to spend X amount of dollars, and there's five or six billion of them... (laughs) They can't cater to you. They just won't. And you could make the argument that that's, like, unfortunate and it's the degradation of the medium and... And, okay, bummer. But they're they're never going to kowtow to you because you don't have the money. There's another table I want to flip here, and that's... (laughs) uh, um, Except for sentimental reasons, vinyl is not better than other formats. You heard it For here exactly first. exactly the same reasons we've said your lossless audio file does not 
perceivably sound better yes. than your reasonably bitrate MP3. Yeah. And that's so yeah, I get it. Vinyl is warm and maybe the mixes were different from the era you got your vinyl and you like that. Yeah. But, but it's that's mostly still subjective. it's touchy feely. <laughs> I like this. Yeah. I feel close to it. I want to hug it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to remember this childhood <laughs> I never had because I was born in '88. <laughs> that I think that, so. Like and our, there's actually lots of problems <laughs> and limitations with vinyl. You can't have things that are too bassy because you have to scratch bigger grooves, which means you get less <laughs> right. time on the record. And Yeah. So are, are my children, are, are our generation, people who were born in the 80s who have this weird hipster affiliation for vinyl? Because, I mean, vinyl was kind of done by the time we yeah, were growing up. Cassette tapes is what I yeah. had as a kid. Exactly. I had the Turtle soundtrack on tape. Yes. So T-U-R-T-L-E. <laughs> oh, dear God. So are our children or, or kids who were born in, like, the late 90s, are they going to have this weird audio affiliation to or affinity to cassette tapes? Because I see in visual media, like, there are lunchboxes and T-shirts and bumper stickers and crap that show, like, the pencil with the little anthropomorphic yeah. pencil next to the anthropomorphic cassette tape and it says like I want you inside me or like you wind me up or it's a picture of them and it's like if you know why these two things go together your childhood was awesome <laughs> and it's like no it just means you know you can freaking rewind a cassette tape with a pencil this is not yeah I think our generation is still we don't Act, act out the enthusiasm for cassette tapes like we do for vinyl. We don't actually purchase them. But I feel like it's coming. I don't feel like younger than us is going to care. No? No. I mean, I, I think it's not, more like it's we, we will also laugh at cassette jokes, but we're like, haha, I'm not going to buy those. Though. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb. Give me an iPod. Actually, but just give me a smartphone. <laughs> I wonder if, I suppose it, there's something sonically, there's a natural user interface involved <laughs> that People do like the warble of fake lo-fi old stuff. And maybe that's just the the fetish, the Instagram effect fetish of So, but do they like it because they know it's synthetic? So how meta can they we They know get it's this? synthetic, but it feels authentic. Right. <laughs> so because like Instagram is all square pictures, right? Yeah. No and they all look like... Not even 4.3. They look like sunburned Polaroids. Yeah. Which, do you remember we all used to shake the hell out of Polaroids, and then Polaroid fell all over themselves to try and be like, no, you're screwing up the process. <laughs> Just leave it the hell alone. And that the myth was so much more powerful than the truth. I remember very much shaking the crap out of Polaroid no, pictures. What's the, we need a, a dumb platitude that a, a lie can travel around the world before the truth can get its shoes on in the morning or something. There it is. There <laughs> is the dumb platitude. So, but, I mean, that's, like, I feel like there will be another version of that for audio. Like, people will look back at the, the 2000s, when everyone thought they were an audiophile and be like, you remember when people used to think they could hear things? <laughs> because they can't. It needs to, there has to be, I mean, the powerful thing is people do like tangible physical products and like, what are we going to do that? Just like, oh, I miss the original iPod. But it, it's not going to be like, <laughs> I miss classic. I miss seeing a .ogg <laughs> file. 
an extension. <laughs> like no one's yeah. going to do that. Hopefully those things are more fleeting. Well, no, wait. I actually can I have a piece of evidence to refute that. <laughs> People who live plain text. Yes. The people who they don't want to use uh, DocX, they don't want to use RTF, they don't want to use anything because those are fleeting formats. When Word goes out of style or when you change platforms, you can't use your .docs. Mm-hmm. Everything can read .txt. There are whole pieces of software that their marketing advantage is that the files they output are .txt. Markdown. Yeah. I love we we both love Markdown and Markdown There's is some merit, merit to that argument though it's not just uh, BS? sentiment it's not yeah, just it's, it's not just sentiment um, but it, it's it's factual sentiment it's like it's longing for a time of interoperability that never really existed did it yeah dot, txt was like well, the but I mean, format. the history of computer platforms competing is the history of things not being interoperable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to a point. I, but I would say, like, a text, I don't, I mean, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there was ever a time when a text file on a Mac wouldn't also work on Windows, wouldn't also work in DOS, wouldn't also work on Unix. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about that format is, like, a text file from no, 35 years ago is as That's why it's reasonable, now. because everything else on the platforms was very definitely not compatible. Yeah. So it's sentiment with logic. It's logical sentiment. What's the, Jesus, what is the word for logical sentiment? Just logic? Um, <laughs> smart human. <laughs> you hear that, plain text people, of which I am one? We, you, are smart. <laughs> so I'm trying to find... I just I have to try and get an image of this if I can, but... In, let's all go into the theater of the mind for a moment. If you have seen the Pono player, um, which is Neil Young's crazy... The Toblerone. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's <laughs> shaped like a Toblerone. <laughs> and what it made me think of, which I cannot believe I did not immediately find an image of... Oh, there it is. <laughs> is in The Office, there is a, a sub-story uh, in the TV show The Office... There's a substory about they made a tablet that is triangular, and it's called the Pyramid. And it's like, it's something like, unleash the power of the Pyramid. And the whole point is, like, they they obviously just made it that shape because it's different. And, like, Pono, I get what you're trying to do, but... You're ten years too late. But, I mean, look at this freaking thing. Like, who wants to carry that around in their pocket? Or if you had an armband, you'd have, like, a big arm spike (laughs) coming (laughs) off of your forearm. It doesn't look like it has a clip, so you wouldn't put it on your belt. I mean, what? How are you supposed to carry this thing? It's also priced for 2004 when you could charge three and four hundred dollars for something that just played music. Yeah. People are barely willing to pay that for their smartphone now, which is their primary computing device. So... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you could possibly make... I mean, there are people who will pay it, but there are also people who think that... how big is that market? Big enough if you don't want to mass-produce, I guess. I guess. Is it it really like a 2000... 
the aughts decade of music player like does it have a wi-fi store can you buy music from the pono player uh, or do you have to sync it over usb to a computer because we're stepping back in time if yeah i that is a detail i don't know i know that there is a pono store I do not know if you can do it from the device. I'm going to presume no, because looking at the front of this thing, it is a volume up button, a circle button, which I assume is confirm, and a volume down button, and those are the only buttons I see. So unless it's a touch screen... So can you even scroll through your artist as fast as a, a the old wheel of the iPod? Yep, it not look like it. The MacBook wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, from what I'm seeing... I, I kind of want to use one just so I can say, like, this is as dumb as I imagine. But I'm going to link to uh, the, the Pono player next to the Office Pyramid, which I'm actually going to have to make this image myself. I'm disgusted. To me, the, the Pono player is like, it's, let's say five years from now, someone makes a three-inch smartphone that has a pixel density of 3,000 pixels per inch. And you're like, I think when we crossed like three or four hundred PPI, we were kind of like good enough. Well, this is the re- the the and why are you making a three inch smartphone? Yeah, <laughs> the exact same discussion we just had about audio. We could literally stop this recording and start a new one where all we do is replace audio words with visual words and it's the exact same argument because you have to have an image that was created at a high enough quality that's being displayed on a high enough yeah, screen yeah it's all crushed the blacks are crushed yeah. that's what they always say in yeah video. and and your eyes have to be good enough to perceive it so yeah, if you're standing 12 feet from your tv then 720p and 1080p don't really make a difference yeah not at all and everyone wants to argue like Oh no, you can totally see the difference. I'm like, maybe from three feet away. Maybe if you have the two images side by side, but only in those but conditions. No. <laughs> yeah, but no, but no, not really. No, you want to think so. And I mean, I, I liked, I'm proud that I have pretty good vision, but I have never purchased a screen of any kind, like a monitor, a television, or a smartphone, based on its pixel density, because. That's just a spec sheet. I can't well, think of a at, polite term for at, the, the at, thing I'm thinking of. It's just BS. Yeah. It's like a megahertz now. Or Yeah. Oh, it, man, we didn't even talk about cameras and megapixels, because yep. higher <laughs> megapixels does not equal better picture. It does not. That's an entire... Um, that's a whole other episode. might even mean worse picture. <laughs> it very often does, because you get... So such noise, such noise, such <laughs> very blurry, very ISO. <laughs> <laughs> wow, um, yeah, that we can do a whole other thing on that next time. Gadget. Well, I think we're at about an hour. We are. Take take us out, Mike. Okay, David Lyons. Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me on the internet at Lions in Beta on Twitter or lionsinbeta.com or plus David Lyons on the Google's pluses. And then small promotional break to promote the show notes. Uh, if you want to comment or see the show notes or see all the cool links we gathered so painfully for you and compiled into a list, painstaking. Uh, head to flippingtablespodcast.com slash 013 for episode 13. 13. We're moving on up. Yep. And uh, you can find me on the inter- internet at pseudomichael.com or Medwords Music on Twitter. 
Um, no news there, but if I can get a trademark for Pseudo Michael, maybe I can actually get somewhere with Twitter. Ooh, do like a copyright infringement kind of deal? Well, trademark you, infringement. You, you can go to uh, LegalZoom, get a uh, an LLC for that. Yeah, I just want to start paying taxes for my LLC. But <laughs> <laughs> is it only on income? Uh, I guess. So just don't be a successful business person, and you'll be fine. I think I can do that. <laughs> Mission accomplished. So. Anything specific we want feedback on? Maybe do any of you have a Pono player? Okay, no one? Okay. No one, yeah. Okay. yeah. Thanks for that feedback. Does anyone have Beats headphones, and why did you spend that much money on mediocre headphones? Yeah, I would I would love... To, I know at least a few of our listeners are would call themselves audio people, so I would love to hear any fact-based <laughs> refusion to our arguments, because your opinion is fine. I'm. I will disagree with your opinion, but you're totally I'm fine if to you it. like Beats headphones. Yeah. You like the way they sound. That's subjective. Yes. Do what you want. That's totally fine. But how could you possibly argue that they are objectively better? And if you have a way, please tell me, because I have been going around saying that you cannot make that argument. So someone, if you can, correct me. Yep. And if no one does, I will assume I am 100 percent correct. <laughs> yeah. So there, it's on you now, Internet. Uh-huh. Uh, so this is, I think um, next week we're going to record, I think, a day late. Or we're going to release a day late. Yep. So be prepared. If you're subscribed, it'll just come to you. And that's the magic Naturally. of the internet. Um, syndication. Syndic- it's amazing. I don't know it's why. It's really simple. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> oh. Also, any musicians out there, or if you have musician friends, we are looking for people to cover our theme song. And unless it's terrible, we will feature, <laughs> or maybe especially if it's terrible, we will feature remixes of our song, um, our intro theme song, yeah. on an episode. So if you want some, and we'll, we'll give you a shout out. We will. So, so um, any burgeoning musicians If you out there. or someone you know is into remixing music, um, get in touch. Definitely. Especially, uh, let's just be honest, get in touch with Mike, because he's, he's the music guy. I'm also I'm happy to provide MIDI files if you just want to play with sound and not actually recreate the notes I used. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, do those things. All so right. we will see you next week.